right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic after 630 20 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums. Use rules and restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of PGA Grinders Live After Dark. I am your usual host, Justin Van Zuden. STL Cardinals 84 is the daily fantasy handle. And uh, I have enlisted some help this week. Gib Pollard is still on vacation, traveling back from Australia. He'll be back next week for the Open Championship. And Brian Devonshire is out at a little event called the World Series of Poker. So he's not with us tonight either. So I have enlisted two very, very capable PGA DFS folks to help me out on the show tonight. Uh, we'll start with the new face. I've got Jacob Horton. You may know him as Han Dizzle throughout our Roto Grinders content here with us tonight. Thank you for joining us and uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm first of all, glad to be on the show tonight. Uh, more than happy to help out. Um, been providing content for Roto Grinders for about a year now. And I'll have to say, if people don't realize it, it's harder than you think. So, uh, Justin and Derek, y'all do a great job doing it every day for most of the year, uh, or at least for Derek most of the year. Justin, you most, you know, most of uh, most of the summer, it, it's harder than what people think. And you guys are awesome at it. So, um, you know, I love I love uh, playing DFS sports. I'm in the golf industry. I teach golf for a living. So, hopefully, can provide a, a little different perspective that you don't normally get. So. How long have you been doing that? 20 years. I've been in it since I was uh, basically um, a sophomore in high school. Kind of knew that that's the path I wanted to take. And uh, um, always with the the teaching aspect of it and the uh, and that the sort of thing. Industry for 20 years, but I've known that I've always wanted to do teaching only. In the last five years, I've just taught full time. So uh, it's kind of a big jump to make, but um, it's exciting. At the same time, it's uh, owning your own business is a is a hard task, but I really enjoy it. At the end of the day, you got to do what makes you happy. So. That's very cool, especially in a sport like golf. Not an easy sport to just pick up uh, off the street and play, for sure. Having gone through that myself, I'm not a great golfer, but uh, you get better with practice and coaching, and that uh, that certainly makes a difference. So awesome to hear your story, and happy to have you on tonight, uh, talking a little bit of John Deere Classic with us, and uh, Derek Farnsworth also alongside. We're looking to maybe ride the coattails of his recent hot streak. Hey, Noto, what's going on? Ah, oh, not much. I'm enjoying this all-star break. Uh, this is nice. Not having to write the grind down for MLB. <laughs> it feels and, like uh, you, it feels like you got nothing to do in the morning, huh? Yeah, I recorded some uh, Roto Academy videos today, so those will be out soon for NFL. Um, but yeah, I need to send you a video of my swing. You can fix my slice, Jacob. Man, I'd love to. <laughs> That's uh, see, look at that. You're getting a nice hookup on the air here tonight with uh, a nice coach. So. Well, yeah, it has been a, a week with uh, with not a lot going on, so plenty of time to dig into golf. Unfortunately, we don't have the strongest field event at the John Deere Classic. 
uh, kind of what we saw last week at the Greenbrier. Just, uh, you know, it's a field that's pretty much wide open. And uh, it, with last week's event, uh, you basically saw a bunch of, I hate to say no names, but uh, not your your typical top of the leaderboard with uh, maybe five or six guys uh, in the mix there towards the end of the tournament. And you had guys like uh, Kelly Kraft and Xander Shoffley who ended up winning. And, you know, it was uh, Robert Streb who's kind of been up and down throughout his career, just not your usual heavy hitters. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the way that that event typically plays out. We talked last week on the show when, uh, when Eric Crane was on, went through the winners of the, uh, the Greenbrier for the last five, six years. And you, you kind of saw similar leaderboards like that. So uh, when you get a weaker field event, these things open up, we've got four spots to the open championship on the line. So guys that haven't qualified for that, uh, the John Deere Classic provides a charter flight out for those that are, are playing and have qualified. So, But that's part of the reason why we see a little bit of a weaker field. Uh, you've got the Scottish Open taking place this week. Uh, a lot of the guys that are playing uh, across the pond next week in the major are, are playing in that instead. So, I mean, it's kind of what you get used to here, the John Deere Classic being a weaker field event the year or the week before the Open Championship. The schedule got changed around last year because of the Olympics and the John Deere Classic got moved to August. But this is the usual spot. So the guys that you see playing here this week are the guys that generally like the event or have played here in the past or are looking to secure a spot still in the Open Championship. So just a little bit of a different dynamic this week. Uh, Jacob, I'll start with you. Anything uh, that stood out to you with last week's tournament or, uh, you know, that uh, how you're attacking maybe these weaker field events that we've had the last few weeks? Well, I think, you know, last week you could sort of see the trend of, of maybe a new winner or um, a name that maybe not everybody uh, feels comfortable rostering winning. I mean, it's a weaker field event. Um, and, and I think that'll carry over to this week to a certain extent. But you look at the past, you know, winners of this tournament, um, the big names have performed well here. We have Ryan Moore, Jordan Spieth, um, everybody's favorite in that area, Zach Johnson's one, Steve Stricker. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a big name win this week, um, although I'm not um, really crazy about any of the above 10K players. I wrote up Danny Lee in my article this week, but he's probably uh, the one player I'm kind of comfortable rostering above 10K. And uh, Noto, I know you probably weren't uh, able to pull the same haul last week as the week before. It's tough to follow up a six-figure week with another one, but uh, I know you were on some guys last week that did pretty well. Your thoughts on the tournament from last week? Yeah, it was a fun tournament. It was good to see uh, Xander Schaffel win, although he did uh, blow me down from the cash line in the Thunderdome. Uh, and you were the one of the guys that passed. <laughs> I apologize for that. <laughs> it was a... Uh, yeah, it was a fun tournament. It was it was pretty fun. There was a group of like four of us that were bunched together there that kept uh, teetering on those different spots throughout uh, the day on Sunday. But uh, Jacob brings up a good point. I mean, even though this is another weaker field event, you have had guys uh, that have consistently played well here. Steve Stricker won this three years in a row. Brian Harmon was your winner in 2014. Jordan Spieth was your winner in 2015, which I believe was his first career win. And then uh, Ryan Moore was your winner last year. So uh, we, we haven't seen that trend of, you know, a bunch of nobodies uh, winning this tournament. Uh, you know, Zach Johnson has, has won here in the past. Uh, he won in 2012. Um, and, you know, it, it just hasn't been those uh, random Applebee's and Blicks and, you know, the guys that we saw win last week's tournament for whatever reason. Obviously, we're dealing with a 
small sample size. So, you know, anything can happen, but it, it has been a trend that one of the bigger names has, uh, has gone on to win this event in recent years. And the pricing is still pretty soft, even on, especially on FanDuel, the pricing is really soft this week because of the weaker field. So you can fit a lot of these higher end guys in or not. You know, the question is whether you want to, to spend on them or not. You know, the, a big key to this event, in my opinion, is you're going to want to get as many guys through the cut as you want, more so than on a normal week, because there are so many birdies to be had at this course. Uh, the winning score is, you know, tends to be 20 under par or or even better than that. So it maybe lends a little bit more credence to the balanced uh, lineup approach this week. Uh, Jacob, is that uh, kind of a way you're leaning as far as a general strategy? Yeah, if you look at like the last sample of the last, you know, let's say five years, you're looking at a handful of players um, in the top 10 making 20 more birdies for the week. So you're definitely going to target birdie makers. Um, and uh, looking at guys that not necessarily um, the course fit this week will not be one that is a bomber's course. I mean, you've seen um, below average hitters linked in the golf ball and then, and then um, fairly, you know, decent to not too long as well. So Jordan Spieth is definitely not the shortest, but he's more of an accuracy guy, right? Steve Stricker, Zach Johnson. So guys that can kind of keep the ball in play and, and hit a lot of greens, I think it's a good plan for this week, you know, so I'm definitely looking to attack guys. If you're, if you're close on two people, I'll pick the guy that you feel like can make more birdies. Yeah. Derek, what are you looking at as far as uh, stats to target this week? Yeah, a little different than I normally look at. Uh, definitely accuracy off the tee, good wedge game, uh, strokes gained approach, and then a little bit of putting. I usually don't factor that in too much, but we've seen a lot of good putters uh, play well here in the past. So it doesn't hurt to put well here. Yeah, you got to make birdies, as both of them said. If you want to uh, win this tournament, pars aren't going to get you huge paychecks at, uh, at TPC Deer Run and kind of a um, – I'm only about 30 minutes from the course. That uh, maybe about 35 minutes from the course, but uh, almost due east of uh, where the course is. So the, the weather patterns that, that I have here are pretty much the stuff that goes through. Silvis ends up coming my way, and we have had – extremely heavy rains uh the last two days especially on monday uh the course is probably pretty saturated now the drainage is pretty good they had a lot of rain here last year as well but these fairways and greens are super easy to stick especially for these tour professionals and uh with the rain it's only going to be even more so so you're going to see guys try to dial it in with their wedges lots of short iron play here and, uh, you know, you're going to see guys try to put it close. And it is supposed to dry out come the weekend, but there's another chance of rain on Wednesday, uh, a small chance of rain on Thursday. So the, the course isn't going to be super dry. And it just it, it's going to play as it always does, which is you see winning scores of 22 under par, 20 under par, 22 under. Stricker won it one year at minus 24 under par. So uh, you got to make birdies. The cut's probably going to come in a few strokes under par, two, three, four under par is kind of where that has ranged over the last few years. And uh, you're going to be left behind if you're making pars. So targeting birdie makers, birdie or better percentage, the good short iron wedge players, the good putters, definitely the way you want to go here. Uh, we're all pretty much in, in agreement with that. It's not a bomber's course. This is a par 71, which you don't see too often. So three par fives this week, not a par 70 or 72. Uh, two of the par fives are on the back nine and uh, just one on the front. Two of the three are generally reachable and two for, for most guys, especially if they're in the fairway. So 
again, you're going to see a lot of birdies here this week. It's a fun tournament for fantasy scoring, watching guys make a lot of birdies and getting guys through the cut. I mean, you, you oftentimes you can hang in the GPP if you've got four or five through the cut on DraftKings, uh, if your guys are all near the top. That's not going to be as much of the case this week unless we have another week where, you know, it's like a two or three percent, six out of six percentage. Uh, otherwise, if it's a normal, you know, 15 to 20 percent, six out of six week, you're going to want all six of those guys through the cut if you want to, you know, get towards the top in a GPP. So keep that in mind as you set your lineup building strategy, whether you want to go more balanced, whether you want to try to go stars and scrubs, uh, really interesting dynamics. So. Uh, let's start talking about these players at the top end here. Uh, we'll focus with the DraftKings pricing. So we've got Daniel Berger at the top at 11.3, Brian Harmon at 10.9K, Kevin Kisner at 10.4, Danny Lee at 10.2. Only four guys in the uh, five-figure price tags this week. Uh, Derek, I'll start with you on this one. Anybody that you think uh, you're really trying to fit in above 10K this week? I think my main goal is to be more balanced this week, but if I am playing anybody above 10K, it's probably going to be Danny Lee. I think uh, we talked before the show, you guys are probably on the same page. Uh, he's been in his best form by far over his last uh, six or seven events. Uh, his, his iron game just dialed in, I believe, over the last uh, 16 to 20 rounds. He uh, leads the field in strokes gained approach, and uh, he's making a lot of birdies right now. Um, he does have a T3 here in 2015. So trends are really converging for him. I just don't know if I want to pay that price. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, it's all kind of relative in this field. It is hard to pay that kind of price tag for Danny Lee. Uh, but I think an interesting thing with him, and it's kind of surprising given the way he's been playing, but he is not exempt yet into the Open Championship. So I guess a follow-up question, are you worried about guys like Berger um, you know, Kisner, some of these other guys that uh, that have already secured their spot next week. Is is focus an issue for you with some of these guys? Uh, for me, it is a little bit at the top. Uh, for guys that don't really play in this event every year, I am a little bit worried about it, like Berger and Kisner. Uh, but when it comes to like Zach Johnson and uh, Steve Stricker, who play here every year, yeah. kind of treat this as ATM. Um, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, same questions to you, Jacob. Anybody you like at the top? And uh, are we worried about guys that uh, might have an eye on next week? Well, like Derek, I, I really like Danny Lee this week. Um, I'm kind of uh, fond of, of handicapping things from a motivational standpoint. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to, to sort of figure out what a motivation for a player might be. But a lot of these guys today are, they set their year around making it to East Lake, making it to the Tour Championship. And Danny Lee is currently 43rd in, in the FedEx Cup standings. Um, he needs a strong finish to to have a chance, especially if he doesn't play next week. He'll probably fall um, in those standings. So I think that a guy like Danny Lee is um, as safe as you can get in the top guys. He's motivated. He's, he needs to play well this week. He has a chance to to uh, play in another major championship if he plays well. Um, so I, I really like I really like him at the the 10K. I do worry about some of the younger guys who haven't made this trip over before, who have played the week before. Uh, but the veterans who've done this, um, I, I'm not as worried about them. They're, they're, uh, they'll be ready to go next week. Yeah, tough to uh, suck up the 10.9K price tag for Brian Harmon. Obviously, this is a course that, uh, that would theoretically fit his game. He's not a bomber off the tee. He can dial it in with his approach shots and can certainly get red hot with the putter. 
just tough to pay a 10.9K price tag for him, uh, but he does profile well and is obviously a past champion here. Uh, Berger and Kisner, guys that uh, that don't play this event every year like some of the other uh, top names that, that we'll get to. So it does all kind of point to Danny Lee as the top guy, especially with uh, the way he's been playing on a DFS, you know, price basis. He's $1,000, $1,100 cheaper than Berger, a uh, good bit cheaper than Harmon. So uh, there's a reason that, uh, that people kind of look at him this week. Uh, Jacob, I'll follow up with you as we get into the next tier of, of 9K options. Uh, how do you parse out the uh, the course horses, the guys that have played here a ton, like Steve Stricker and Zach Johnson? You know, Zach Johnson last year at this event was over $13,000 on DraftKings, which uh, is is crazy to think right now, but I mean, both these guys, both Stricker and Zach Johnson had impeccable runs at this event. Stricker won three years in a row. Zach Johnson had a five-year stretch where he finished in the top three every time. And both of these guys are Midwestern guys that uh, that really enjoy playing at this tournament more so than some other guys do. So uh, the current form isn't the best with Zach, but uh, he loves this event. And you like those two guys this week. I do. Um, you know, I think that for those of you that are kind of new to, to DFS golf, it's easy to get caught up in uh, what do the numbers look like, how they played recently from a just playing golf uh, standpoint. Sometimes a course or a hole or, or an area just suits your eye. And, and, and uh, Zach Johnson's history there is, is pretty awesome. I mean, you won't find course history is that phenomenal. Him and Steve Stricker both. So um, like uh, notorious, I like the idea of a balanced lineup, but you could probably start a lineup with – one or both of those players and, and feel um, okay doing that. I think they both have a chance to uh, make a ton of birdies and play well into the weekend. The uh, the John Deere Classic made the horrible mistake last year of putting Stricker and Johnson, who very clearly have the top followings in terms of people that want to come watch them play, given the field strength of this event. Uh, they put them in the same group last year. I forget who the third person was. It was another fairly big name for, for this event. They put Stricker and, and ZJ in the same group. So the, the the throngs of people following that group was like three people deep. You could have followed anybody else on the golf course last year and had like eight people walking around with them. Yeah, I think I followed Kevin Na and Keegan Bradley, and it was Wesley Bryan. It was his first career tournament. And there was like six or seven people following one of the better groups in this field. And so if you're going to the event, they have at least split up Stricker and Johnson this year, but – uh, if you're planning on following a group around, the, those two guys will get the biggest crowds, at least for the you know first couple of days, assuming they make the cut, and then on the weekend as well. They, they get a big following in the Midwest. And, I mean, Derek, you know, uh, as well as I do from playing DFS golf for a fairly good length of time, that uh, sometimes you just get these course horses and these two guys at, at this event pretty tough to pass. Yeah, you talk about guys that are accurate off the tee, good with their wedges, good putters, and uh, those two are two of the best at uh, all three of those. Um, I think my main lineup, I'll probably have both of them in it. You know, Zach Johnson had five straight years, finishing no worse than third. You already mentioned Steve Stricker had those three wins in a row here. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of one of those weeks where I'm kind of not looking at the stats quite as closely for those two and just kind of going off of – their comfortability at this course and uh, how well they played here. Um, the guy that I'm probably fading in this range is Charlie Hoffman. I've heard a lot of buzz about him. He seems to be 
becoming more popular, but he's just not not accurate enough for me. I know he's been in great form with two top tens in a row, but uh, not the best uh, track record here in the last five years and just not accurate enough off the tee. Uh, Jacob, I'll pivot back to you. I know at least I uh, saw that uh, that you put Hoffman in your article this week. So you got a, a take on him that's a little different there? So just coming from the uh, perspective of wouldn't be a guy that I would hit the lock button on, right? But Charlie Hoffman is a guy that you can sprinkle into some lineups that, um, you know, I'll talk about upside a lot. He has enough upside to win this golf tournament. And 9,700, um, chances are that Ownership will not be that high on Hoffman with Stricker and Lee around him and, and Stanley will probably govern a fair amount of that ownership. So I like Hoffman. I like his chance to uh, continue his hot form and make a bunch of birdies this week. He's a, uh, I don't know if you could say that there's a, a picture in your mind of what the person should look like uh, that wins the John Deere Classic, but uh, Charlie Hoffman kind of. He would definitely him. fit. Put him on the tractor at yeah. the end of the week for sure. Exactly. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> that threw me off. That's uh, that's a great point. The other 9K guys that we haven't talked about probably for, you know, reasons that uh, we don't like them quite as much. But uh, any interest, uh, Derek, in Stanley or Lovemark or the defending champion Ryan Moore? This may be short-sighted on my part, but I tend to avoid guys coming off wins unless they're elite players. Um, Not that Stanley's not one of the favorite DFS guys, but I don't really consider him an elite player, so – I always just expect a little bit of a setback uh, after picking up such a big win. So I'll probably be off of Stanley. Uh, Love Mark. You know, he's a guy that's been playing well, but he's not really – I like him on courses that are a little bit longer where he can uh, take advantage of length off the tee. And then Ryan Moore, kind of the same thing as Stanley. You know, the defending champs kind of have a little bit more media obligations on him this week. A um, little more expectations coming his way. He hasn't been – he hasn't played in quite a while, actually. So Yeah, he's, he's been out for seven weeks with a shoulder injury. So that kind of oh. – there's just – there's too much risk there for me. Obviously, he's going to play here. He's the defending champion. But also to try to knock some rust off for next week. And, you know, this could basically just be a glorified exhibition for him if it only lasts two rounds and only lasts two rounds. He fulfilled his obligation as the defending champ. Let's move on. And, you know, I kind of agree with what you said about the other guys. Interesting, though, with Stanley because, I mean, he's just such a great statistical fit here. He's played here a ton. Uh, He's third in strokes gained approach this year. So I am a little bit worried about fading Stanley, but I kind of subscribe to that same theory that you do. And, you know, he's just one of those guys that I think might have an eye on next week having qualified for the Open Championship and – might not have as much focus at the John Deere Classic as he usually does, but admittedly, that's that's a difficult take to quantify. But uh, I just I'm worried about Stanley this week. Uh, Jacob, your thoughts? Anybody else in the nine K range? You can hit on any thoughts you have on those other uh, players we just talked about. Sure. Well, if we're talking tournament strategy, let's say that you know um, it's pretty popular to click Stricker and Johnson, right? To start your your roster off with those two. Well, if you're building a bunch of tournament lineups, um, maybe start a few of them off with just one or the other and mix in a guy like Kyle Stanley. Like you said, I mean, it's a player you're, you're not a hundred percent comfortable fading. I mean, he's having a, a, you know, probably the front runner for comeback player of the year um, playing some of the best golf of of his career. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play well again this week. So from a tournament standpoint, uh, I don't hate the idea of, of not having um, 
Zach Johnson and Stricker paired together and maybe putting, you know, like a Kyle Stanley or even Charlie Hoffman together if you want to look a little different at the top. Yeah, I'm definitely. Just, Go I ahead. Just, I was just going to say, I just glanced at the projected ownership. We actually have Stanley above Johnson and Stricker, which wow. seems I don't think hard, I, seems I don't think believe. he will end there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I know the uh, the first set of ownership projections that Trey posts are kind of more model based, and then once he gets to, uh, you know, figuring out where the buzz is at, he'll adjust those in the next couple of days. Yeah, I don't think Stanley will end there. Uh, it will be interesting to see how popular he is, but if you're looking for a true uh, lower owned guy, you know, Hoffman is probably your play there. Stanley will still garner his share of ownership just because of the form and the fact that he's a good statistical fit here. I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm maybe a little biased against guys that, have, that are coming off wins, just like Derek. Um, you know, Ryan Moore will be another guy that enough people are going to know about his injury and he hasn't played in a month and a half. It's been since April, since he's had a top 50. So I think that he'll have pretty low ownership as well, but hard for me to endorse Moore even as a GPP play this week. Uh, from there we go into we've got Charles Hall at 9K and then uh, quite a few golfers in the 8K range, but the the field strength kind of really starts to noticeably dip here. Uh, you've got Streelman, Streb, and Summer Hayes as your most expensive 8K options, and then you know just a little bit less exciting when you get to these guys. You kind of see a clear drop off in the Vegas odds, so this may be where some people kind of overlook this range a little bit uh, even if you're going with a balanced approach maybe you start it with some of those 9k guys and then go into the 7ks uh jacob you got a take on this uh this tier of 8k guys here yeah so when you first look at it i mean it's easy to glance right over and go "Ooh, i don't like really yeah. i mean Charles how i like him at 8k 9k um i guess there's some merit for it. it's just a um, I always have a hard time pulling the trigger, paying a lot for a guy that I just don't feel like that can win the golf tournament, um, that has that ability. And, and you know, Hal's proven that over the course of his career that he's a great top 10 machine and steady Eddie. But, you know, if you're looking for a guy for upside the win, um, it's not always the person you go to. Um, the person that I'm kind of intrigued by in that in that 88 and below range is Daniel Summerhays. Um, not a person that when I start out my, my uh, the beginning of the season, I make projections on players and forecasts. And not a player that I was high on, but I've been impressed by him. I mean, he looks like a player that's close to winning on the PGA Tour. So this could very well be his week. Uh, pretty accurate ball striker. So Summer Hayes is a guy that uh, may, may guard some, some ownership because he's played well late. But, um, you know, people just kind of glance over that, that range and, and, and go like two higher price players and start fitting in some sub 8k players he could be a guy that could uh, look pretty good on a few rosters he plays well he's had some good results he's been hit or miss here he's had some uh, ugly showings that really ugly showing last year uh, but has a handful of top tens at the event as well summer Hayes. so uh, you know kind of the guy that uh, that most people think of as a steady consistent player but uh, he, he's put up some good results this year so uh, don't mind him at 8.6, Streelman at 8.8K. Decent week last week. I played Streelman quite a bit at the Greenbrier. And uh, Streelman put up the old Jim Furyk round, the, the Bill Haas round on Saturday. 18 pars for Kevin Streelman on Saturday. Uh, that's that's nine DraftKings points. I can do that math. Plus the bogey three rounds. So we got, a, got an extra three. Um, 18 pars, boy, that's difficult to do. But uh, I've seen that a few times in my DFS career. One of them was with Furyk. Haas almost had one on Saturday, too, last week. 17 pars, and he birdied the last. So kind of a weird tournament last week with not a, not a ton of birdies, but 
uh, still reasonable scoring. That's that's going to kick into hyper mode this week. So uh, Streelman's at least playing pretty well. Just needs to make a few more putts if he wants to contend here. Robert Streb got the big price boost to 8.7K after his second place showing last week. Uh, again, this isn't the most glamorous of ranges. Uh, Derek, who are you looking at in the 8Ks here? Two guys I like, Charles Howell at 9K. Uh, the winning upside is a little bit of a concern at that price. But it's hard to find a guy that's that safe, that you know has top 10 upside every week. Uh, and he may be a little bit more motivated um, this year than he has been in the past just because he did miss you know, a few months with injury. Uh, might not be burnt out like he, you know, maybe could have been in the past. Uh, pretty yeah, he plays a lot record. of golf usually. Yeah, pretty decent track record here. Uh, ranks first in bogey avoidance. So on a course we need a lot of birdies. You know, he won't be giving them back. Um, and then I like Ben Martin um, coming off of uh, three pretty decent finishes in a row. Uh, had a T two here last year. Over his last twelve rounds, he's ranked first in this field in strokes gained approach. I hope he doesn't become kind of a you know, a sneaky play that everyone ends up being on, but uh, I have a feeling that that might happen. Uh, yeah, it might be. I have enjoyed it playing him the last couple of weeks, and he tends to thrive in these weaker field events a little bit too. Um, so don't mind some Ben Martin. And, you know, these guys might all garner a little bit more ownership. Didn't see the old news that always makes everyone freak out uh, this afternoon that Bud Cauley is feeling ill and uh, withdrew from the Pro-Am tomorrow. So, uh if you're on Bud Cauley, that's always a, that's always something that makes people squirm, myself included, because you just, especially at this course, you don't want to have a zero. It's just, it's not good. And uh, the last time I did that was three weeks ago with Charlie Hoffman. He finished third. So <laughs> it's just, I always tend to overreact to these things. So I will probably pivot off of Bud Cauley. Not that I, I did have some shares of him not that I, I thought he was a fantastic play but uh, he did finish inside the top 10 here last year and has been having a decent season but uh, I don't see he's not the guy that, that I want to risk that with so um, if you are on Bud Cauley just know that uh, he is ill and has withdrawn from the pro-am hasn't withdrawn from the tournament but uh, keep an eye on that if you're planning on rostering him uh, AK range Noto mentioned Ben Martin uh, David Hearn, Bubba Watson, Kevin Na round out your 8K options. Jacob, you got anybody else in here that you like? Um, so I kind of – I'm sort of the person I like sales. And obviously uh, Bubba Watson's been on sale for better part of the season now. So uh, unfortunately I've had shares of him every week. And <laughs> yeah. I have some shares this week. Um, it's one of those deals that the moment that you don't and he plays well – it's just the it's the worst feeling ever. So, You're pot committed at this point. Pot committed, uh, <laughs> but so there's a few players that I just don't genuinely like, and Bubba Watson is one of those players. But you know, if you're going to do this um, uh, with any kind of uh, success, you've got to you got to take the approach and do an evaluation. I mean, the talent is still there. There's a, there's a good player still in Bubba Watson. He's going to bust out at some point. Um, so I will have some shares of him. The player that I will not have any shares of is Kevin Knott. I'm hearing some buzz on Kevin Na. To me, he's like a, a poor man's version of Charles Howe, but a much poor man's version. Um, hasn't played uh, the best golf this season. Another guy that's uh, even at 8K, uh, I just I don't think he's a player that can close the deal on Sunday. And plus, I just don't want to uh, have to root for him. So I will not have any Kevin Na's watching him fidget on Sunday. Hopefully he. <laughs> 
Thank you for the excellent tee up as I read in Notorious's article yeah. that he likes Kevin Na to win this week. So present to me your uh, other side there. Yeah, so uh, over the last 12 rounds, only Danny Lee has had uh, more strokes gain on approaches. Uh, Kevin Na does have a good track record here, uh, 13th and an 8th in his last two tries. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just an, it's a course where he doesn't have to hit a – you know, a lot of drivers, he's not going to be uh, – or I guess he's going to hit driver, but he's not going to be at a disadvantage when it comes to length. Uh, but I do love the Bubba Watson call, actually. Uh, I thought I was going to be the only one suggesting him uh, in tournaments. Again? You're yeah. On, you're, getting, you're falling for it again? <laughs> I'm pot committed too, man. Uh, <laughs> you're, both, you're both in the same boat there. So, over the last 50 rounds on bent grass greens, he's number one in strokes gained tee green, number one in strokes gained total. And over the last uh, 36 rounds, he's ranked second in both of those categories. So that does include some uh, older results, but he obviously likes these uh, bank grass greens. Are you talking about now again or Bubba? Bubba. That surprises me. Yeah. As long as you don't try to get me on Luke List again this week. <laughs> Dude, he, he was so close. And then... Just gave it away. He was so long. close. He, he was so close. He missed the cut by one stroke, and he was like minus four strokes gained putting on Friday, which is so – if there was ever a Lucas thing to do, that was yeah. it. And uh, missed the cut by one, and, you know, that'll happen. But uh, he's a roller coaster. He's like Ryan Palmer. Um, speaking of Ryan Palmer, he's at 7,900 if you want to play him this week and, uh, and does not have a spot in the Open Championship. So maybe he'll be – uh, fired up to to post some good results uh, this week, but uh, the form has kind of been off for him, just like with Bubba this year. It just hasn't been there. Uh, if you're looking for featured groups, this will probably be one of the featured groups on the uh, PGA Tour stream. Bubba is golfing with Steve Stricker and Kevin Kisner, which is kind of a strange pairing, but uh, three of the better golfers in the field. Kisner, Watson, Stricker, uh, Zach Johnson is uh, playing in the morning wave with Daniel Berger, and Charles Howell. So those are kind of the two uh, feature groups, one on each side of the draw this week. Uh, look, it is going to click for Bubba. I give you guys a hard time, but it is going to click for him at some point. Obviously, the upside is there in this field where, in theory, he should lap everyone in terms of talent. He's a guy that could reach all three of these par fives uh, in two. And, you know, there, there's a couple of par fours on this course that generally play around 360 yards. I mean, he could try to drive those two. There's really not much of a penalty if you try to drive those two shorter par fours. Most guys just can't do it. Um, but especially on days where they do a front pin location or they move that tee box up a little bit, uh, Bubba could certainly try. I mean, that would be in his style to try to go after that. So he could still overpower this golf course, even though it's not typically one that's suited for driving distance. Uh, it could be one where maybe Bubba tries to to attack it with reckless abandon and have good results, but who knows? I mean, this isn't an event he normally plays, uh, which does tell me that maybe he's trying to find something before the uh, the Open. And, I mean, last week he was doing okay the first few days, and then the wheels kind of came off on the weekend. So he just needs to put four rounds together. You are getting a discount on him. It is a weak field. It does make sense. And so many people have been burned by Bubba Watson so much that they're just not going to go there. So, uh, you know, it, it might be a fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times thing, but uh, it does kind of make sense in this field. Obviously, if this week was the British Open, you're, you're probably not uh, taking that risk on him. But 
the John Deere Classic, maybe a little bit of a different story. And I think part, part we got to look at too that not just the British Open. I mean, Bubba Watson's a guy that's used to being, you know, a late finisher in the FedEx race. I mean, he is outside of anywhere close to being contention for that. I mean, he, all these guys make goals at the beginning of the season. And I guarantee you, Bubba Watson wants to finish the season strong. So that's probably why he's playing this week. I mean, um, I, it's about time for the uh, the Ryder Cup hangover to end. I mean, it's pretty obvious that that kind of contributed to his year. And I mean, you just look at the names above him. I mean, uh, you know, if we were teeing it up on Sunday morning, you could pick Robert Strever, Bubba Watson as your partner. Who would you pick? I mean, it's pretty easy, price aside, right? So I think Bubba Watson, the talent's there. If you're building a bunch of lineups, so there's no argument that, that, I mean, I think you can make a strong argument for throwing some Bubba Watson in there. He's just, it's got too much upside. All right, let's move into the 7Ks now. I just mentioned Ryan Palmer. This is kind of where it gets interesting. Lots of uh, decent names in here, and this could be what wins or loses your tournaments, your cash games this week, picking this guy in the 7K range. There's lots of them, the guy that pops for a top 10 or something like that. Uh, so, Noto, I'll start with you here. Anybody you like in the upper tier of these 7K guys? I think my favorite guy in this range is Chad Campbell. He kind of fits the mold of being accurate and uh, – Good with his wedges. Uh, his TV Green game's been really good over the last few tournaments, and he's got two top tens in his last three outings. He also has a good track record at this event, and he's one of those guys that um, tends to play well in the same courses each and every year. So I like Campbell. Uh, my question to you guys is what are we doing with Bryson? Ah, yes. So Bryson, he's been on fire, on fire with his quirky game and uh, style, but. Uh, Lots of birdies the last few weeks from Bryson DeChambeau. 26, 17th, and 14th, his last three events. Uh, I'm the one that hasn't been burned by him just yet uh, the last month, so I'm fine with riding the wave with some shares this week. The price is getting uncomfortably high at 7,800, but, I mean, he's been a birdie maker. The problem is the weakest area of his game has been his irons. He did not hit his irons well last week. And that, that, that could be a worry on this course. So I will have some of them, but I understand the other side is kind of where I where I am with uh, with Bryson. You got a take on him, J uh, Jacob? So I've been a buyer for most of the year, and I'll continue to be a buyer this week. I think, uh, um, you know, my long-term projections are that Bryson will, will eventually be a PGA Tour winner. Uh, I think the talent is there. Um, you know, golf is such a fickle sport, and it's such a fine line between playing um, at a high level and, um, you know, just a little bit below that on the PJ Tour, you're going home on the weekend. So um, he's obviously um, came on the scene with a lot of a lot of flair and hype and didn't quite live up to the, the hype, at least in the DFS community. But uh, he's a guy that uh, I think is uh, definitely uh, one of the more talented young players on tour. So I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable paying that price for him. I like him at that, that price range. I love Campbell again this week. And I'm going to hop back on the Nick, Nick Taylor train. I think uh, another player that – um, if you're going to see somebody that's not, uh, you know, uh, a name that people are who who are comfortable rostering or don't know much about him, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Nick contend on the weekend. Yeah, he was uh, playing really well last week. Pretty consistent. He got the all four rounds under 70 bonus on DraftKings last week and uh, jumped out to a really hot start. Couldn't quite crack the uh, the top of the leaderboard, but he was in contention much of the week and uh, ended up walking away with a, a nice top 10 finish. So uh, Nick Taylor, Chad Campbell, those guys that you mentioned uh, that you guys both mentioned, I think are obviously strong plays. Uh, Kelly Kraft, another guy who's been playing well of late. 
you know, he's been very inconsistent this year, but he's off a 43rd and a fifth his last two starts and uh, has had a decent result here in the past. So I think, uh, you know, he might be worth a look this week. Again, it's, sometimes you're just kind of chasing upside in uh, in this range. And, you know, if you're – I don't know if I have the uh, the stones to do this, but if you're chasing upside in course history, uh, Noto, you got to take on uh, the uh, Mr. Johnson Wagner this week. Well, if I knew he was growing out his mustache, I'd go all in on it. Uh, <laughs> but – yeah, so luckily I faded him last week, uh, even though he had the great course history over there. I almost played him, didn't. So he helped me out last week, and I'm going to get back on him this week just because I think his ownership is going to be low, especially at that price. Uh, I think people will be scared to go back to him, even with the course history. So, yeah, I'm buying a little bit of Wagner. Probably not, you know, a lock button play for me, but uh, definitely a guy that's, uh, you know, on my radar. Yeah, he's uh, got a really solid course history, three top tens at this event, uh, obviously not having the best season. But, uh, again, these are the kind of guys that, hey, sometimes they just like this course and, and play well here. Uh, any other mid-7K range plays for you, Jacob? So my question is, um, how do you feel about Chesson Hadley playing this week? Uh, one last week on the web.com tour, obviously lost his card um, in good form, um, one time regarded as an up-and-coming player on tour. Um, you know, I, I feel like he's a guy – we don't like picking usually a player that's off a win, but, um, you know, he's got to be – No, the web.com events don't count, so you're, we're still good. <laughs> is, is, is that kind of like uh, eating uh, food and another zip code doesn't count towards calories? That's right. That's right. I wish. <laughs> but, but, I mean, Hadley's a, a guy that I'm kind of intrigued with. Um, you know, motivation to get back on the big tours, I think, is uh, something that obviously all those guys want to do. So, I like him. And um, – I'm sort of interested a little bit in, in Snyder Jans. Uh, haven't been a consistent buyer of Snyder Jans this year, but uh, uh, much like um, Bryson, I think he's a guy that, that's uh, going to win sooner than later. So I'll, I'm, I'll probably look to sprinkle in a few shares of, of Ollie this week as much as uh, it might give me indigestion. <laughs> Super talented. And don't get fooled. If you see the 156th place finish there last week, um, don't be fooled. He didn't finish dead last in the field, but – uh, he signed an incorrect scorecard. He had two holes reversed on uh, on Friday on his scorecard. He would have missed the cut by one anyway, so it didn't cost him a paycheck. Uh, but you know, you see the, the the game log on DraftKings, you'll see 156 plays. That's because he technically, officially, got disqualified. Um, but you know, in reality, he only missed the cut by one, and then had a snafu on his scorecard. So. Had he made the cut and still signed an incorrect scorecard, that would have been uh, a burner for a lot of people. But anyway, Ali, uh, you know, he, he hasn't been in the finest of form lately, but he's still kind of hovering around the cut line in, in most events. And uh, and he's got some upside at that price compared to these other guys in this field. You know, you are kind of searching for upside at this point. Uh, good point on Hadley, another guy. He's going to be really low owned. You know, most people just don't know a whole lot about him. And he has – shown some flashes on the PGA tour in the past. So I definitely don't mind that call as kind of a, a 5% or less in GPPs that, uh, that could put you over the top this week if he plays well. Uh, other kind of mid range, seven uh, K plays for you, Derek. So I like both of those guys in GPPs like those calls. Um, if we're talking about former web.com winners uh, that are good with their approaches and uh, good at putting, I like Wesley Bryan uh, T eight here last year. 
Um, hasn't been in the best of form since his win, but he did have a T46 his last time out. I think uh, if you look just strictly at Vegas odds, he's clearly a value in this price range. Uh, the guys around him are have three times worse odds than he does. Um, so I like Wesley Bryan a little bit. And, yeah, that's about it in the sevens, I think. Yeah, I really like Wesley Bryan this week. So last year this event was his first start, first official start on the PGA Tour uh, after he won all the events on the web.com tour that granted him uh, – uh, you know, uh, exemption, um, for his card. And so he's seen this course before in competitive action. And we haven't been able to say that about him with a lot of other courses. He's been seeing all these places for the first time. And if you look at his recent stats, uh, where Wesley Bryan has really struggled has been off the tee. He's been very capable with his approaches and that's kind of always what he's known for. Uh, he can get hot with the putter. He's just been absolutely awful off the tee. And at this course, this should be a remedy for that with easy to hit fairways. You've had some rain. They're going to be easy to stick as long as he's not hitting it in the trees and out of bounds and things of that nature. He, I mean, he, he was absolutely dialed in here with his irons last year in his first professional start. So I see no reason to, um, to go away from him again. I, I know that some of his results recently have been ugly, uh, but again, if he can get it straightened out off the tee, uh, he should be fine. So I like him at 7,300 this week. There's always the enigmatic Grayson Murray at 7,300. Don't know if you guys had a chance to catch the Golf Channel article, but uh, an article posted about him today that was uh, informative. Obviously, I'm not the biggest Grayson Murray fan. People know that. He's blocked me on the uh, old social media for doing nothing. But, it, you know, it, the article kind of talks about his struggle. And really, last week's withdrawal was related to his stress, anxiety issues that he's had, and uh, that's enough to scare me off of him this week. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot going on with him, and uh, again, I'm not the I'm not the person to ask about the Grace and Murray takes because I'm going to be biased the other way, but uh, he's there, and in the, he's still in the field this week uh, despite the uh, issue that caused him to withdraw a week ago. Uh, we've got Jeff Ogilvie in here, who I know is Josh Culp's specialist in his article on the homepage this week. Uh, Jacob, you got any other 7K guys that you like? Well, like both of you, I really like Wesley Bryan. I think um, before last week's win by Xander, I mean, was there any question who the rookie of the year was? So um, now there's some competition. If there's any more motivation, I mean, um, Wesley Bryan is uh, probably as motivated as anybody to keep playing well. So I like him. Um, I really like uh, below the 7K range. Um, if you're taking some tournament flyers, um, I've kind of been a sucker for this pick throughout the year, but I, I think it's time to jump, jump back on the Harold Varner train. I think uh, a guy that can make birdies in bunches um, should be fairly low owned. So I like him. And uh, you're not going to like this one, Cards, but I like Luke List this week. Uh, <laughs> no, there's so, no way. So yes. the way that I, I like to format, the way I kind of look at that, I look at uh, top top five, top 10, top 20s in terms of drafting scoring. And um, I think number one, players uh in the field this week with top 20s would be mr luke list he has eight uh dk top 20 or better finishes now most of those are early in the season but you get a guy at 7k if you're playing a lot of tournament lineups uh, there's definitely the upside so um i like uh, i like some shares of luke list this week derek are you playing luke list again he's got to pay me back eventually right <laughs> in theory i suppose <laughs> uh i like scott brown a little bit more at that same price but uh I'll have a, a tournament lineup or two at least in it. 
just can't resist. I can't do it. I can't do it. The, uh, the putter was just, uh, was, uh, the putter is just a problem with him, but, uh, hey, everyone's got their bites. He's great off the tee. He can hit it a mile. Um, I can't, I can't do it this week, but, uh, yeah, his ownership's going to be low. It's about six, 7% last week. Uh, I do have a little bit of Scott Brown. If you're looking to take a seven K bomber that might be a disaster, but has some upside, I'll take Trey Mullinax over list this week, just because, just because he hasn't burned me like list has. Uh, and it, you know, but you guys do bring up a good point. It is about upside in this range. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking for a guy who can sneak out of top 10 or top 15 in your GPPs, uh, or maybe in cash games, you're looking for somebody a little bit safer. That might be a Scott Brown type, uh, Michael Kim type that continues to make cuts, but, uh, hasn't really flashed a lot of upside. Michael Kim's 13 of 18 and cuts made this year, but doesn't have a top 10. He is at uh, 6.9 K on DraftKings, And uh, this is kind of where the, the weak field nature of this event really starts to kick in. Uh, Derek, you got any six K guys that you, you feel comfortable clicking that button? Uh, there aren't many in terms of uh, cash game plays that I see. I think Kim's fine. Um, Outside of that, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, Chris Stroud's okay. Harold Varner, I like his upside for the price, um, as Jacob mentioned. Uh, Vaughn Taylor seems like a good cash game play, but these guys kind of seem to lack the upside that I'm looking for. Um, we didn't talk about him earlier. How about uh, Curtis Luck? Yeah, I did not I did not mean to leave Curtis Luck out of the discussion. I put him in my video last week, put him in my video this week, figured if it's not broken, don't fix it. And I was really surprised that he was only 5% owned uh, last week. I would expect that to climb a little bit. I mean, he's a guy the last two weeks, I think he's plus nine strokes with the putter. So you give me a guy that's plus nine strokes with the putter over the last two weeks on this course, I'll definitely take some chances on that. So, uh, Jacob, you got any thoughts on Curtis Luck or other uh, sleepers that we may not have talked about? So, um, as I was mentioned to you uh, before the show started, I was fortunate enough to go to the to the Masters this year, and, I, and one of the cool things is I spent the whole week there and got to watch a lot of people play in practice, and, and Curtis Luck was uh, one of the handful of players that I left the week thinking, I've got to keep an eye on this guy. was very impressed watching him play in practice, so um, been gradually amping up my uh, ownership percentage on Luck and uh, would not be surprised um, if he plays well enough uh, to secure a PGA Tour card by the end of the season, so I definitely like him. Um, good ball striker, great with the putter, um, and kind of, you know, just watching his body language, he seems to, to be ready for the, the stage. So um, uh, definitely like luck this week. Yeah, for sure. And the price, you know, is still very reasonable. Uh, let me pull up our project. You still got the projected ownership up, Derek? You see yeah. where he's at? or He is at 18%. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to get to 5% again. So uh, 18, that seems pretty reasonable. It might be around where he ends up falling. And with the limited value uh in this tournament i mean they were even when he commit when he got the sponsors exemption to to play this week they were talking it up on the local news and i'm like why how does the local news know about curtis luck and it's like well i guess he's kind of well known for his amateur success and things of that nature so uh hey curtis luck was getting some hype on the uh, the local news so that's most of what we got going on this week for the john deere classic uh, next week we have the open championship which will be held at uh, Royal Birkdale in England. And I was just doing a little bit of uh, looking at the last time. So the Open Championship, what they do is a course rotation of 
you know, six, seven different courses. Um, and the last time the Open Championship was held at Royal Birkdale was in 2008. Uh, the winner that year was Patty Harrington at plus three. Second place was Ian Poulter at plus seven. And I'm not sure, I don't think that weather was an absolute, I mean, huge detriment to the scoring. I think you're going to see that this is a very difficult course. Um, haven't dug into it too much yet, but it is interesting to note that uh, three over was your winning par in 2008. Uh, prior to that, 1998 was the last time uh, that it had been held there. And let's see, take a peek at uh, what the winning score was. That was uh, even par in 1998. And Justin Rose finished in fourth place as an amateur back in 1998, so 20 years ago. That's uh, pretty amazing that he's been on the tour for that long. But So not a place where you're going to see tons of birdies. At uh, it's, it's almost the exact opposite of this week. And as I mentioned in the top, uh, the John Deere Classic will have a charter flight over for those guys who have qualified. Uh, just a different dynamic. You're going to see a ton of birdies this week. You're not going to see as many birdies next week. So um, you're going to have some big GPPs out there, probably both on uh, FanDuel and DraftKings. And uh, Derek, I'm sure you're looking forward to uh, to a big major next week. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, you know, we only get four a year, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. And the best part about the you know Open Championship is we get to watch it all night long so don't get any sleep <laughs> screws up my sleep patterns i know i did last year a little bit too and uh you know you wake up or you, you kind of drift off and wake up and the guys are through nine holes or whatever I, you know, it's just different to have golf on at midnight uh, but uh, hey it's 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 a fun sweat for sure any golf is a fun sweat uh jacob any thoughts for you on uh, next week and uh how to handle the open championship you know, one of the things that I love most about the Open Championship is you get to watch players play shots that they don't normally play on a normal PGA Tour event, uh, putting it from way off the green or low chip shots or uh, half shots, four irons from 130 or 40 yards. So the conditions are always the big uh, the issue or potentially issue for the Open Championship. So it's just fun to watch, uh, um, you know, a different style of golf. And I really think that you can almost always look at uh, high emphasis on on a quality of ball striking going for a British Open Championship. Thinking of guys like Tom Watson in the past, and last week, last year's winner Henrik Stenson is a prime example. You know, putting will be less important. Yep, uh, for sure. Dustin Johnson, the current favorite at eight to one opening odds. Jordan Spieth at ten to one. John Rahm getting some respect at twelve to one. Uh, you've got guys like Rory Garcia, Fowler, Justin Rose at uh, fifteen to one. Obviously, these are a little bit different depending on where you look, but. Um, Rory Fowler, uh, Noto's favorite golfer, Henrik Stenson. They're playing over in uh, in Europe this week in preparation for uh, the uh, the event next week. And I put this in the expert survey that we do for the premium content. Derek, I think Stenson wins this week in the warm up for the uh, Open Championship. So he's going to win the one week where nobody's you know really playing for big dollars with the uh, Euro Tour. But he's going to troll you and win this. Week. That'll be just fine. Not playing in the Euro. So hopefully he wins this one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's going to about wrap us up here for tonight. Again, uh, we thank uh, notorious Derek Farnsworth and Han Dizzle Jacob Horton for joining us on the show tonight. Uh, Brian Devonshire should be back uh, next week. As I read during the show on Twitter that he busted out of the main event uh, during the show. So uh, condolences to him, but uh, another nice poker run for him i'm sure 
And uh, Gib Pollard will be back from his vacation to Australia, so we'll get some details from him on that. Always nice to have him back on the show, so we will see him next week uh, in his return from a month off. And we've got a big tournament with the Open Championship. Should be tons of fun. Lots of big GPPs out there. But until then, enjoy the John Deere Classic. If any of you happen to be out there, I will be there on Saturday and Sunday. So uh, shoot me a message. We could meet up, say hi, what have you. And uh, thanks, as always, for joining the show. We'll see you one week from now. For Derek, for Jacob, I'm Justin. Take care, everybody. Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only.